Amen. All right, well, we're there in uh, Job chapter number 7. And, of course, on Wednesday nights, uh, Wednesday nights are Bible study night, and we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, uh, through books of the Bible. And, of course, we are studying the book of Job. Uh, we've been studying the book of Job, taking one chapter a week, and tonight we're in chapter 7. And, of course, most of the book of Job, as you already know, uh, the first two chapters are narrative, and the last chapter is narrative. But the vast majority of the book of Job is just a conversation between Job and his three friends. And there's a fourth uh, young man that comes in towards the end of the conversation. And even though we're in chapter 7, we're still pretty early in this conversation. Uh, If you remember, Job broke the silence in chapter 3. He began the conversation. Then in chapters 4 and 5, we had Eliphaz, which is the first of the three friends, uh, speak. And, you know, all three friends will speak. And then they take, you know, that's round one. And then there's another round and, a thir- and another round where they all, they go back and forth. And in chapter seven, we are really um, just having Job respond back to life as he responds, responded in chapter six. He's responding in chapter seven. That's what we're looking at. And Job, if you remember from chapter six, and we'll see tonight in chapter seven, gets pretty angry at his friends. And you can understand why when you, when we look at, what Eliphaz said to him, and he basically told him that you're wicked and your children died because you're ungodly, and he said all these things that you shouldn't say uh, to someone going through the trials that, that Job is going through. But I want you to notice that there, there's a theme in this chapter, and I'll point it out to you. It's, it's here in verse number 1, um, Job chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says this, Is there, and this is, of course, Job speaking, he says, Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? And that phrase really sets the context for the rest of the chapter. Now, keep your place there in Job chapter 7. Of course, that's our text for tonight. But go with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews in the the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9. If you started the book of Revelation and head backwards, you have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter, James, and Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9, and do me a favor, when you get to Hebrews, put a ribbon or a bookmark or your bulletin there, because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. So I'd like you to be able to get to it quickly tonight. Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse 27. Now, in Job chapter 7 and verse 1, the chapter begins with Job saying, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? And we can cross-reference that, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, where the Bible says this, And as it is appointed unto men, because Job is asking this question, he says, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? Hebrews 9.27 says, and as it is appointed unto man, once to die, but after this, the judgment. And that's exactly what Job is referring to. Keep your place there in Hebrews. Go back to Job chapter 7. When he says, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? What he's saying is, isn't there a set time? Isn't there a date? Isn't there a time when we all are going to die? He says, isn't there an appointed time for man? He said, I'm not going to live forever. We're all going to die at some point. And as it is appointed unto man, once to die, but after this, the judgment. And that's really the, the, the context of this chapter because Job is talking about and he's speaking about our lives and how our lives are going to someday come to 
an end. And there's really two truths in this chapter that I want to point out to you. And you can write these down on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to write these down, of course. The first is this. Within the context of the fact that we're all going to die, right? And this is kind of where Job's at. Of course, he's been pretty down. Uh, he's in a pretty dark place in his life. And, and he's thinking about the fact that we're all going to die. It's appointed unto man once to die. He says, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? And then with that thought, the fact that life will one day come to an end, there are two major thoughts that he kind of brings out. And I'm not saying he brings these out in a positive way. He brings them out. He's in a dark place, but of course the Holy Spirit of God uses them to speak these words. The first one is this, if you want to write this down. The, the, the first major point or major thought in this chapter is that our service will come to an end. Our service will come to an end. Notice what he says there in verse 1. He says, Is there not an appointed time upon uh, uh, to man upon earth? He says, Isn't there a set amount of time? There's a certain amount of time that you are going to live on this earth. You don't know when you're going to die, but God knows when, you die, when you're going to die because God has an appointment for every man as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this judgment. Then he says this, Job chapter 7 and verse 1, towards the end of the verse, he says this, are not his days also like the days of an hireling? And I want you to notice that word, hireling. If you see the word hireling, the first part of the word is hire. And the word hireling is referring to an employee, a paid worker. So Job is talking about the fact that man has an appointed time upon the earth. And he's bringing this up, as we already saw in chapter 3, as we, and as we're going to see later on in this chapter, he's bringing this up because he's, he, he desires to die. He, he's wishing that he would die, and really, you know, who could blame him? I mean, after everything he's gone through uh, so far. And, and then, but then he brings up this point. He says that we have an appointed time, but he says, are not his days also like the days of an hireling? He says, our days upon this earth are like the days of an employee are like the days of a man that gets hired. Notice verse 2. He says, as a servant. And what is a servant? Of course, this is someone who serves, someone who is in the service of another. He says, as a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, as a, and as in hireling looketh for the reward of his work. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, workers are hired for a certain amount of time. And hireling works for a certain amount of time. You're going to pay them for 12 hours uh, uh, a day. You're going to pay, they're going to work for you for three years or whatever. He says, look, a servant has an appointed amount of time, and those servants sometimes, they desire the shadow. They desire the, the payday. He says, look it for the reward of his work. He says, you know, and, and you know this is true. I mean, sometimes people go to work and it's like, you know, I can't wait till five, right? When I can go home. And he, that, that's what Job is saying. Job is saying, hey, I've been working for God. I've been working for the Lord. But you know what? Right about now, I kind of wish the day would be over. I wish that I could be done. I wish that I could get paid. And he brings out this idea that our service will one day come to an end. Uh, keep your place there in Job chapter 7. Go with me to the book of John, if you would. John chapter 9. In the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 9, and look at verse number 4. And this is a thought that I think is good for us to wrestle with, and a thought that I think is good for us to kind of understand. 
that we are workers, we are servants of the Lord, but we only have a certain amount of time to work. John chapter 9 and verse 4, notice what Jesus said. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He says, look, there's a certain amount of time that you get to work. There's a certain amount of time that you get to do something. There comes a season in the life of every person. It's called death when night cometh and no man can work. Go to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. When you and I consider the fact that we are workers for God and that we only get a certain amount of time to work, I think it would put things in perspective and, uh, uh, and maybe encourage us and motivate us to get to work. See, the idea is this. You only get a certain amount of time to work, so you better get to work. Because you're not going to have your entire life to be able to do something for God. You're not going to have your entire time to be able to accomplish something for God. You know, the Bible says for young people that they should serve the Lord in their youth. That they should serve God while they are young. You say, why? Because the night cometh. See, when you're a young person, you think, you, you, you think, you know, life is just slow and, and, and life is always going to be as it is. When you are a kid, when you are a teenager, you think that life will always be as it is. One of the first lessons you get as an adult, you say, how do I know when I'm no longer a kid and now I am an adult? And it's not an age. Because you could learn this at 18, or you could learn this at 28, or something. You could learn it at 38. I don't know. You know, one of the life lessons I think that adults, grown-ups, men and women that are mature understand and they get, that kids don't get, is this. That life is always changing. That life is always changing. I mean, one of the hardest things I had to learn as I was growing up and becoming a man and a husband and a father is that life is always changing. When you're a kid, life never changes, especially, especially, and this is how it should be, especially if you grow up in a good home. Mom and dad are always there. Dad always comes home for dinner, and you're, you're in a routine, and you got school, and you got church, and you got... If you grow up in a good home, hey, there's consistency there. And that's a good thing. That's what children need. But when you grow up, you realize life is always changing. Things are always moving. We're constantly getting older and there are some things that we used to be able to do that we can't do anymore. And if you were smart, you would realize that you only have a certain amount of time. And I'm not there, you know, I'm not here to discourage you if you think, well, I'm old so I can't serve God. No, if you're old, then realize you've got less time. You better get to work. Get in on this thing in the ninth hour. Get in on this thing in the eleventh hour. Get in on this thing and get to work. I must work the works of him that sent me, is what Jesus said. Because the night cometh when no man can work. And see, the problem is, the problem is that you and I have a tendency to get this idea that we can just do it some other time. John chapter 4, are you there? Look at verse 34. John chapter 4 and verse 34, the Bible says this. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Notice the context. And to finish his work. He says, look, I'm here to finish the work. I'm here to get to work. Let me tell you something, especially you young people. Life is about work. Get to work. 
I don't know who taught you or where you got this, and I have a feeling it's the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. You know, I'm gonna get. A, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna be on that horse for a while. So just get used to it. All right. The pursuit of happiness. I don't know whoever told you that life was about pursuing happiness, but you didn't get that from the Bible. You're like, what's life about? Work. What What brings happiness? Work. Let me tell you something. You say, I'm a, I'm a grown man and I'm depressed and I'm discouraged. It's probably because you're not working. You know what brings fulfillment in the life of an individual? Work. You say, what, what does God desire for me as a young lady? He desires you to get married, have children. You know what that brings to your life? A whole lot of work. Life is about work. Quit being lazy and get to work. Realize you only have so much time in this life to work. So get to work. Quit running from it. Quit hiding from it. Quit being lazy. Hey, there is a only a certain amount of time we have to work, so why don't we just get to work? Jesus said, I'm here to finish the work. Notice verse 35. John, John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye... There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Don't, don't, don't say, oh, I'll start that Bible reading program next month. No, no, no. Do it now. I'm going to start soul winning next week. No, do it now. I'm going to start praying next year. No, do it now. Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the field. And of course, this is specifically about soil winning, for they are white already to harvest. See, we've only been given a certain season in this life. There's a certain amount of time. You have been hired, you are a servant, and you're expected to work. Keep your place right there in John, if you would. You've got your place in Hebrews. We're going to go back to it in a minute. Keep your place in John. We're going to come back to John in a minute. Go back to Job chapter number 7. And let me just say this. Not only are we workers, but we are earning rewards. Notice, notice what Job says. Job chapter 7, verse 2. As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, as an hireling, notice, notice the last part of verse 2, looketh for the reward of his work. You say, oh, well, I need to just serve the Lord with all my entire life, and, and you know, I'm just going to serve him. You know that God rewards you for working for him? Amen. God rewards you for your work. Go back to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Verse 36. Notice what he says. Because remember, Jesus just got done saying, hey, don't say four months and then cometh the harvest. He says, look, look, it's time to reap the harvest right now. Then he says this in verse 36. He says, and he that reapeth, notice, he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that uh, both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. You don't have to turn there, but in Revelation 22 and verse 12, Jesus said, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Look, you don't get to heaven based on works, but you do get your rewards based on works. So you better get to work. And again, let me, let me, you know, let me say this, because you might think, well, I'm, I'm older, and maybe I can't accomplish everything that, that, that young people can accomplish. Well, then you better get a hold of that parable of the husbandman when he hired laborers at the sixth hour and at the ninth hour, and, 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 and he hired all these laborers, then he hired them with just one hour left in the workday, and they all got rewarded the same amount. You don't worry about the rewards. You just get to work and let God worry about it. 
He'll give you what's fair, but he says, you need to get to work. And let me tell you something. You can spend your life, please understand this, you can spend your life acquiring rewards of this world, the pleasures of this world, the finances of this world. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, why would you lay up treasure upon the earth where dust and moth doth corrupt? Where thieves break through and steal. Jesus said about the rich, uh, the, the man who, 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 who uh, uh, filled his bonds with, 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 with riches, He's, he said, thou fool! He says, when you live your life to acquire things, you're a fool. He said, you know, the best thing to do is to invest your life in that which is eternal. The best thing is to lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. And he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, Job brings home this idea and he says, look, there's an appointed time to death. And he brings it up in a negative way. He's more saying, you know, I kind of wish my work day was over. I wish I could go home. I wish the shadow would come. I'd get my reward. But we get this truth from it, and it is this. That our lives will come to an end, and we only have a certain amount of time to work. So you know what? You got to get to work. We only have so much time before the night cometh. So we have to get to work. Go back to Job chapter 7. Keep your place there in John. Keep your place in Hebrews. Go back to Job chapter 7. I told you there's two thoughts in this chapter. The first one is found early in the chapter. The second one will take the majority of the rest of the chapter. The first thought is this, our service will one day come to an end. You and I won't get the opportunity to serve God forever. Not on this earth. One day we will die. And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, but after this judgment. And the judgment, the judgment will show what it is that you did with your life. If you're saved, you will not stand at the great white throne, which is a judgment for unbelievers. You will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, which is a judgment for believers. And God will judge all your labor, all your work. He's going to judge it, and he's going to see what sort it is. And look, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the judgment seat of Christ and have everything I ever did be burnt up. Wood, hay, and stubble. You say, well, I don't care as long as I'm in heaven. Oh, I think you will care. I'm glad you'll be in heaven. And by the way, that proves you don't get to heaven based on your works. Everything they did was burnt up, and they still went to heaven as of by fire. But let me tell you something. You say, well, why does it matter if I get up to heaven and everything I ever did gets burnt up? Here's why it matters, because it'll show that you lived a selfish and foolish and, and vain life. Never invested in eternity. Never invested in anyone but yourself. Never invested in anything good. And Job says, Job says, hey, we only have a certain amount of time to work. So let's get to work. Then he says this. Not only will our service one day come to an end, but he says our suffering will one day come to an end. And Job, of course, is a theme we'll see throughout the entire book. Job explains to us and expresses to us in a way that maybe no other book does that life is full of suffering. Notice verse number three. That's what he says. He says, so am I. Because he, he just got done talking about how the hireling 
wants to go home. He can't wait till the shadow goes down. He can't wait till the sun goes down. So it's time to go home. It's time to clock out. And he says, that's how I feel. He says, so am I made to possess months of vanity and wearisome nights. See, he says, he says, I'm just kind of waiting to die because the time that I have on this earth, he says, he says, I am made to possess months of vanity. The word vanity means empty. He says, my months are empty. And, and again, please understand this. Don't forget, Job had all ten of his children die, lost all of his financial wealth, had his wife turn on him and say, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, think about that. Why do you have to say, and die? <laughs> I mean, she, she can say, why don't you just curse God? He's like, you can just curse God and die already. So his wife said. Then his friends show up, supposedly to comfort him, and all they do is attack him. Tell him you're at fault and you're a sinner. This is happening because you're a bad person. And Job, Job says, he says, I am made to possess months of vanity. Verse 3. He says, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise? He said, he said I, I, when I go to sleep, I can't sleep. I can't rest. I, I just hope that I can get up. When shall I arise and the night be gone? He says, I just hope I, I can make it through the night. He, he says, I'm very uncomfortable. Notice, he says, and I am full of tossing to and fro until the dawning of the day. He says, I can't sleep. Here's what he's saying. That's a very poetic way of saying, I can't sleep at night. He says, I sleep and I just toss back and forth. He says, I lie down and I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? I am full of tossing to and fro until the dawning of the day. And you say, uh, well, why is that? Why are you uncomfortable? Uh, why are you sleep, Job? Well, it has to do with his, uh, with his health. Notice verse 5. He says, my flesh is clothed with worms. Now, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. I mean, imagine having worms all over your body. And clouds of dust. He says, I'm filthy. He said, my skin is broken. And we know that he had sores all over his body. And apparently at this point, some of those sores have now hardened and crusted and broken. And he, he has this hard, broken skin all over his body. He has these sores all over his body. The cracks in his body are filled with dust, with dirt, clods of dust, he says. And there's worms. Notice the last part of verse 5. He says, and become loathsome. The word loathsome means disgusting or revolting. He says, my flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. He said, my, my body has become loathsome. God is painting a picture for us here. That life is full of suffering. And then Job brings up this idea again. And I want you to notice it. Verse 6. He says, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. My days are swifter. The word swifter or swift means happening quickly or promptly. So he says, Our service will one day come to an end. He says, We work, but we only work for a certain amount of time. So the, the night cometh when no man can work. Then he says, we suffer. But he says, well, we suffer for a certain amount of time because my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And a weaver's shuttle is a tool for threading and weaving. 
And I think, and I don't know, but I think that Job is probably illustrating the fact that his life is unraveling. Notice the last part of verse 6, he says, and are spent without hope. He says, I have no hope in my life. Verse 7, he says, oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall no more see good. The eyes of him that has seen me shall see me no more. That eyes are open upon me, and I am not. He says, as the cloud is consumed and vanished away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. So he's talking about this idea that our lives are short. He says, my days are swifter than the weaver's shuttle, verse 6. He says that my life is wind in verse 7. He says the cloud is, he says, as the cloud is consumed and vanished away, verse 9. Verse 10, he says, so he shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him anymore. He talks about the fact that our life is short. And of course, this reminds us of the book of James where James makes this declaration as well. Go to the book of James if you would. If you kept your place in Hebrews, Right after Hebrews, you have the book of James, James chapter number 4. Now remember, Job said, my days are swifter than the weaver's shuttle. He says, my life is wind. He says, as the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away. James 4.13 says this, go to now. Ye that say, here's a procrastinator. This is the same guy that Jesus was talking about. He says, hey, don't say four months and then cometh harvest. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. He says, where is, you know, not what shall be on the morrow. He says, hey, procrastinator, you need some perspective. The perspective is this, that you don't know when you're going to die. There's only, you know this, there's only a short amount of time you're going to live on this earth, but you don't know what that time is. He says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Very similar to what Job was saying, as the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away. He says, our lives are a vapor and they vanish away. See, our lives, Job says, are full of suffering. But here's the good news. Our lives are short. Go back to Job chapter 7. I want you to notice, and we're going to walk through these verses because I want you to, to see it. Job is a very low place in his life. He's in a very negative place. And Job, actually in this chapter, and he does this through the book of Job, he transitions. Because remember, he's talking to Eliphaz, but he also kind of begins to talk to God. And by the way, Job is the only one that does this throughout the book, speaking to God. None of his friends do this, but Job does this. And he begins, he's talking to Eliphaz, but he's kind of really talking to God, and he's kind of going back and forth a little bit. Notice Job chapter 7, verse 11. He says, therefore, he says, because life is full of suffering. And and remember, Job is in a very low place, a very dark place in his life. He says, therefore, I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And let me just say a couple things about that word complain. Number one, if there was anybody that had a right to complain, it's Job. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that we should complain, but I'm just saying if, Job, if, if, if I was Job's pastor and Job was complaining, I'd just let him complain. 
But you know, the Bible does teach, and in the book of uh, 1 Samuel, we hear about Hannah, who could not have children, how she brought her complaint to the Lord. And I would say this, because I do believe that at this point, Job is bringing his attention to God that if you want to complain, the person you should complain to is God. We should bring our complaints unto the Lord. Notice verse 12, he says, Am I a sea or a whale that thou settest a watch over me? And you can almost feel the anger in Job's words. And he, he's looking at his friends, and he's, he, here's what he's saying. Because, of course, this is, the original language is Hebrew, and then, of course, translated in a beautiful fashion in our King James Bible and the Shakespearean language. Job is a poetic book, which is why he's in the poetic section of the Scriptures. He says, am I a seer or a whale that thou settest a watch over me? But here's what he's saying in plain English. He's saying, what are you looking at? (laughs) He just described his body, right? He just said, my my body's filled with cracks. I've got worms all over my body. I've got dirt and clods in my body. And he says, his friends come, and he he says, what are you looking at? Take a picture, it'll last long. And you know, if you know from the story that his friends were already there for seven days and said nothing, just looked at him. And here Job is he's saying, Am I a sea or a whale? He said, Am I a whale that thou said us a while? Are you are you whale watching right now? When I say my bed shall comfort me, my co uh, my couch shall ease my complaint. He, he says when I tell you that maybe, just maybe, I can't sleep that night, but maybe tonight I'll, I'll get some sleep, then thou scarest me with dreams and terrifies me through visions. And of course, this is a reference back to Eliphaz. Remember Eliphaz in chapter 4, his dream and his vision? And Job, Job's saying like, man, I'd I, I, I like a good night's rest. I can't sleep because of my health issues, but even if I could, even if I could sleep, you're scaring me with your dreams terrifying me through your visions so that my soul chooseth strangling and death rather than my life. And don't, don't miss this. This is what Job literally just got done saying. He said, I would rather be strangled to death than have to hear any, anything else you have to say. That's pretty low. That's pretty dark. And by the way, let me just say this. Sometimes, we need to give grace to people when they're going through difficult times. I actually just heard a sermon by Jack Hiles. It's an old sermon. I just happened to, to find it, and I was listening to it. And he was talking about the fact, and I think this is a good idea, that, and he was talking to preachers, so this is in a preaching context, but I think you can apply it to your life. But he, he said this, and I thought, I thought it was an interesting idea. He said, you should never judge a preacher based off his last sermon. Because the truth is, sometimes you don't know what people are going through. Sometimes they're fighting a battle, they're going through some difficult things, they're fighting something, they're going through something, they get in the flesh, they say things they shouldn't say. He says, I try to never judge a preacher based off their last sermon. 
Now, if there's a pattern of sermons there and a pattern of things that, things that they say that aren't right, then, then you might have to deal with those things. But he said, I, I try, if there's just uh, a guy that's a good guy and just having just one sermon where he just kind of goes off the rail a little bit, he says, give him some grace. He gave this illustration. I thought it was interesting. He's preaching at a school, and of course, we're not for Christian schools, but he was preaching at a school, a big uh, school convention thing they were having all hundreds of kids and many preachers there and there's a young girl on the front row slouched over and of course this is how the style was back then with fundamentalists and we're not like that here especially since we're family integrated but he he looked at that girl from the pulpit he said young lady you need to sit up and she just kind of looked at him he said young lady you need to sit up and she just looked at him he said, young lady, you're going to sit up or I'm going to sit you up. And at that point, she's saying all this in front of all these people. At that point, some school teacher comes over and says a few words to the little girl and takes her and they walk away. And he, as he walks away, he realizes there's a little hunchback girl. She didn't have the ability to sit up. She was crippled. And he said, you think I want all those people to judge my entire ministry off of one stupid thing that I did and said? And I'll tell you this, there are many stupid things I've said and I thought to myself, I hope people don't judge my entire ministry off of one. Sometimes people are going through some, some things, fighting battles, fight, battles within and without. And Job is there and he kind of has a bad attitude. I would rather be strangled to death than to have to hear you speak. You know, why don't you give some grace to Job? He's going through something. Be careful about writing. I'm never going to forgive that church member based off what they said. Well, maybe once they say it a few times, maybe you can come to that determination. But if somebody says something to you real rude one time, why don't you have some maturity and some grace? And maybe, I'm not saying they should have said it, but maybe why don't you just not write somebody off? For one wrong thing they did, one wrong thing they said, you don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what they're struggling with. You don't know what they're going through in life. You don't know the pressure and the burden that might be amounting on them. Notice verse 16, he says, I loathe it. The it there is referring to life. He says, I hate life. I would not live all way. He says, let me alone. He's talking to his friends. He says, let me alone. And he's going to say this to God here in a minute. He says, let me alone for my days are vanity. Then he begins to speak to God. Knows what he says, verse 17. What is man that thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him every moment? And you don't have to turn here. You can just jot this down if you'd like. Psalm 8, verse 4 says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? And I just, I just want to point out to you that there's lots of things that Job and his friends say that are found elsewhere in Scripture. You say, what does that prove? It proves this, that thy word is settled in heaven. That we didn't get the book of Psalms when David wrote it. The book of Psalms has always been James. I mean, Job is basically quoting James. Why? Because we didn't get the book of James when James gave it. James was the tool that God gave us. Holy men against God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But you know what? God's word has always existed. But notice what Job says in verse 19. He says, how long? He's, he's, he's looking at God and he's saying, God, why, why are you focusing on me? 
How long wilt thou not depart from me? He just told his friends in verse 16, let me alone. And in the previous verse, he said, go away. I didn't ask you to come here. Now he's speaking to God. He says, how long wilt thou not depart from me? Nor let me alone till I swallow down my spittle. He says, how long is this going to last for? And again, Job is in a very dark place in his life. In verses 20 and 21, he says this, if, if I did something wrong, why won't you just forgive me? Look at verse 20, he says, I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Notice the question mark. He's not saying, I have sinned. He's asking, I have sinned? And, and he's saying, if, if I've sinned, God, if I've done something so terrible that deserves this, he says, what shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me as a mark against, the, against thee? He says, God, why are you picking on me? And I'm not justifying what Job is saying. I'm just telling you this is what Job is saying in a very dark place. He says, why hast thou set me as a mark against thee so that I am a burden to myself? And why dost thou not pardon my transgression? He says, if I did something so terrible, why won't you forgive me? And take away mine iniquity. For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. Here's what Job is saying. Job is telling us in a very descriptive way. Go to the book of Romans, if you would. If you kept your place in John, you have the book of Acts, and you have the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. He's telling us in a very descriptive way that life is full of suffering. I think you would agree with that. Now, hopefully, hopefully you and I have never and will never go through something as bad as Job did. But we go through dark times in our lives. We go through the trials of life. We go through the storms of life. We go through times in our lives when time is dark. But Job, even in his complaint, highlights for us that time is short. Life is but a vapor. He says it's a cloud. It vanisheth away. See, the application is this, that though there is suffering in this world, our suffering is short. Because life is short. See, he says, you got to get to work because you don't have a lot of time. He says, when it comes to the service, our service will come to an end. But then he says this, when it comes to suffering, our suffering will come to an end. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, Paul says this, For I reckon that the suffering, he says, For I reckon, Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You say, I I don't like uh, a life of suffering. Well, you know what? We live in a fallen state. And I'm not talking about California, although you're going to apply it there too. They're all fallen the whole earth has fallen. Mankind has fallen. We live in a fallen state as human beings. There is suffering in this world. But Paul says that the suffering of this present time is not, he says they are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Second Corinthians, if you would, you're there in Romans. Go past the book of First Corinthians into Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17. You say, Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm in a dark place. I'm struggling with some things. What's the encouragement? And I don't know if this is encouraging. I hope it's, it is encouraging. I hope it not doesn't sound cynical. But the truth is this. You say, I'm suffering. Yes, you're suffering. Okay, here's, here's, here's great news. 
your life is short. So your suffering will be short. And whatever you go through in this life is not worthy to be compared. We will not even mention it when we get to heaven. He said it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Our lives are short. Our service is short. Our suffering is short. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. That's what Paul says. He says, for our light affliction. And look, I'm not minimizing what you're going through. Paul's not minimizing what you're going through. But here's what he says. He says, whatever affliction you're going through, even Job, whatever affliction you're going through, it is light. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here's what he's saying. Your life is short. You're saying, I'm suffering and I'm struggling. Well, here's the good news. You don't have a lot of time to suffer. And you don't have a lot of time to serve either. So you might as well get to work and just uh, be content in whatever state you are because our service will come to an end and our suffering will come to an end. And really the idea that Job is bringing up, and if you go back to Job chapter 7, I'll show you this and we'll finish up. The idea that he's bringing up is this, that our lives are short. I used to have a pastor who would say, he would complain, he'd say, life's not fair, then you die. And that's the truth. That's not fair. Well, the good thing is you're going to die. I'm not happy with how things have worked out. Well, the good thing is you're going to die someday, and then you have to worry about it. Our lives are short. I don't know if that's encouraging to you, but that's what Job is being encouraged by. He's saying, I wish I would just die. I'm going to die at some point. He says, our lives are short, and then it is over. He emphasizes this idea that there is an end to life. He, uh, Job chapter 7, look at verse 6. He says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Then he says this, and are spent. And are spent without hope. Just like in your bank account, you spend all the money, then it's done. He says, with life, you spend all your time, and then it's done. And are spent without hope. Look at verse 7. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall, notice these words, no more. He says, mine eyes shall no more see good. Then he says this in verse 8. The eyes of him that hath seen me shall see me. Notice these words, no more. In verse 7, he says, Mine eyes shall no more see good. In verse 8, he says, The eyes of him that shall see me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not. In verse 9, he says, As the cloud is consumed and vanished away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up. Notice the words, no more. In verse 10, he says, He shall return. Notice the words, no more to his house. Neither shall his place know him. Notice the words, any more. Job says, you know, what I can tell you about life is that there comes a point when life is no more. What you see is no more. What people see is no more. He that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return to his house no more. Neither shall his place know him anymore. He says, life ends. It's no more. Go to Psalm 39 if you would. We'll look at two passages. We'll finish up. Psalm 39. 
You have the book of Job, then you have the book of Psalms, Psalm 39. Here's what Job says. He says, all eyes are short, and then it's over. He said, then it's no more. It's spent. Verse 7, no more. Verse 8, no more. Verse 9, no more. Verse 10, no more. And then, any more. Psalm 39 and verse 4, notice what the Bible says. Psalm 39 and verse 4, the Bible says this, Lord, make me to know mine end. You know that you have an end? You know that someday your life will be no more? My life will be no more? He says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, how long my days are, what it is that I may know how frail I am. The more you think about how much time you have left on this earth, the more you realize that you don't have a lot of time left on this earth. Behold, I was made my days as in handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Notice Psalm 90 and verse 10, if you would. Psalm 90 and verse 10. And actually, you know what? Look at verse 9. Well, look at verse 10 first. The days of our years are three score years and ten. That's 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, that's 80 years. The psalmist is saying, at this time, he's saying people live to about 70, and if they're real healthy, maybe 80. That's what he's saying. Our lifespan today is maybe a little longer than that, but not really much longer than that. He says, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow. Don't miss that. Notice what he says. He says, he says the days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength, they be four score years. Yet is there strength, notice the words, labor and sorrow. What, what did Job tell us in Job chapter 7? He says, our service, our labor, our work will come to an end. And he says, our sorrow will come to an end. Look, I'm not trying to burst your bubble or whatever. Maybe you came in here real happy and you're not going to leave that happy, but I'm just here to tell you. You said, what's life about? Work, service, labor, and sorrow. You can thank Adam and Eve when you get to heaven. He says, the days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is, notice the words, for it is soon cut off. And we fly away. Cut off means no more. Done. Here's what he says. Here's the application. I do hope it's encouraging to you. It's this. That one day your life will be no more. So live life. Please understand this. One day you'll be a husband no more. One day you will be a wife no more. No more. One day you'll be a father. No more. One day you'll be a mother. No more. One day you'll be a son. No more. You'll be a son forever, but under the authority of your parents, that relationship will be no more. One day you'll be a daughter. No more. One day I'll be a pastor. No more. And my wife will be a pastor's wife. No more. Say, well, what do I do with that? Here's what you do with that. You get to work. 
See, you get this idea, you and I get this idea that, oh, well, one day, one day, I'm going to become a better husband. One day, right now, I'm kind of selfish and just do whatever I want. But one day, I'm going to pay attention to my wife. No, you better pay attention to your wife now. Because time will one day be no more. One day, you say, well, one day, someday, I'm going to get my drinking out of control. Why aren't you uh, uh, drinking under control? Why don't you get your drinking under control today? One day I'm going to get my anger under control. Get your anger under control today. One day I'm going to read the Bible. Why don't you read the Bible today? One day I'm going to pray. One day I'm going to soul with you. One day I'm going to tie. One day I'm going to do this and do that. Hey, realize that today is the day. One day I'm going to get saved. Today is the day of salvation. Why? Because our lives will one day be no more. And you don't know how much time you have, and I don't know how much time I have, and I'd rather get my act together today and have my wife and my children and my church family remember me in that way. Notice you're there in Psalm 90, look verse verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Please, Please get this. Please understand this. Just look up here for a second. We're almost done. When you die, when you die, your husband, your wife, your children, your employer or your employees or your fellow church members or your neighbors or your extended family, when you die, they're not going to remember you based off the plans you had. They will remember you how you are. Our days are spent as a tale that is told, is what the Bible says. So what story are you telling? Mom was a drunk, but she was going to get under control, but, you know, alcohol got her before then. Is that really the story you want to tell? Well, Dad said, he kept saying he was going to get his anger under control, but, you know, it never did. Is that the story you want told? Do you, is that the, the story you want told is that you're a lousy husband, that you're a lousy wife, that you're a lousy Christian. That you're, look, here's what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you. Life is short. So you better get to work. I'm going to work on, if you're going to work on it someday, work on it today. Get to work. Get to work. Get to work on your Christian life. Get to work on your attitude. Get to work on your relationships. Get to work on that relationship with your children. Why? Because one day you will and they will be there no more. So Job says, Job says, our service is short. Our suffering is short. So let's get to work. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the book of Job. I know it can be dark and sometimes if Job was physically here speaking to us, we might even be embarrassed to be listening in on him at this very difficult time in his life. But Lord, thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit of God to put some truths in there. The truth is this, our service is short, our suffering is short, life is full of labor, and life is full of sorrow. And Lord, I just pray you'd help us to get to work in whatever area we need to work on. Help us to get to work, help us to realize that one day life is no more, life will be no more. And Lord, help us to be serious about loving you, living for you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.
We're going to have the Matt come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to remind you uh, a couple of things. First of all, if you'd like to bring a dessert or a uh, uh, cornbread or something like that for the chili cook-off, it's still several weeks away, but we have a sign-up sheet in the uh, back. Also, don't forget, mixing politics and religion this Sunday morning, uh, separation of church and state. We're going to learn about that from the Bible and also a little bit of a history lesson, so we hope you'll join us for that. And then soul winning. We have soul winning on Saturday at 10 a.m. and then soul winning tomorrow at 2 p.m. If you don't hear from us, we're having soul winning. But we might send a text out saying, hey, it's postponed for today based on uh, the fires and the smoke and the air quality. So just be looking for that. If you're not on our text list, get on it so you can get all the messages and things that you need from us. If there's anything my wife and I can do for you, please let us know. We are praying for you. We love you. If there's anything you need, we're here for you. We'll have Brother Matt come up and lead us in a final song. <laughs>